It's Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic Week, 20th Anniversary Edition, and we'll hear more today from John Markham, the tournament chair, and Joe Shapesky, former tournament chair and current committee member, about everything that's going to happen this weekend, including the ability to be down there to enjoy some food and watch the award ceremony. Plus, Dave Weitzel from the Minnesota DNR, who was very instrumental in the Panfish Technical Committee. We are now underway with the recommendations from that committee, including about 100 lakes with new panfish regulations. Now that we're in it for a month or so, we'll hear what Dave has to say. It's all coming up on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Well, it is here. It is uh, Knights Columbus Walleye Classic Week. We are finally a year beyond uh, the planned time, having the 20th anniversary of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. And here to talk about it once again, John Markham, the tournament chair, and Joe Shapesky, committee member and former tournament chair. Guys, thanks for coming back in today. Thank Great you. to be here. So we are finally at the week, and we've had some changes. And, John, it looks like uh, we can we can have a few people down at the waterfront this year now. Yeah, last night at the uh, city council um, okayed us to serve food and uh, beverages down there. Um, we uh, we expect to have um, food set up around noon, and uh, so come down and watch the festivities. Um, uh, the tournament um, will end about four, and uh, so the all the anglers will be back into shore then, and um, we'll have the awards banquet then at about four thirty. And uh, this was all going to be primarily virtual. Um, We're still going to do it virtually, but if people want to come down to the waterfront, that is a possibility now that's officially been approved, correct? That is right. People are more than welcome to come down, see their favorite anglers come off the water, and then starting at 4.30, check out that award ceremony. You know, there's still a little bit of excitement that can happen. Nobody's going to know for sure, at least in the audience, who's going to win that tournament until uh, we actually give out the awards. So you want to be there for that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you can't, it's cool that we got a virtual option. And and that uh, and, and one of the things we're doing, John, this year that we have not done in the past is, is a virtual update at 10 and 2. So uh, people who, you know, uh, are want to keep tabs somewhat on what's going on are going to be able to do that via the Facebook page? Yep, Thanks Columbus Facebook page. Uh, we'll also have uh, some... Screens down at the waterfront, so you can see, you'll be able to see the leaderboard at that, at 10, and then again at 2. Um, we'll have some pictures of people catching fish and um, while well, they're hero shot. Um, virtual part of it is uh, the anglers will catch, uh, catch their fish. They will take a picture of the fish on the measuring stick, and then they take what we call a hero shot, and that's them with the fish. And then they release the fish, and then they submit those two pictures back to the tournament, and um, so then we'll have access to how the guys are doing out there. So, okay. 
Now, the cool thing about uh, this new way of doing it is actually, you know, pretty good for the fish. And I know that uh, the DNR loves these these virtual tournaments, that aspect of it. Um, a lot of tournaments have just gone then go with the big f- five biggest fish. You know, we can do that now because it's it's we're, we're catching and releasing. You have not gone that route. You have kept the chess game in place of having to find those perfect unders. Oh, yes, because we all love to fish for the 19 and three-quarter inch fish, <laughs> uh, which you can have as many as you want, up to five. Or if you don't have any, if you do happen to catch two over 20, you could have three that are under 20s as well. So... Um, it's, it is still a part of our tournament. We've tried to keep as many traditions going as we could, even though this year we are not having the live weigh-in. And, uh, one of those is, yes, we still have a five fish boat limit, uh, with two of those fish being over 20 inches. I like, um, I, I think it's kind of fun to watch a tournament to see who can get the five biggest fish. At the same time, I do love the chess game too, of, of mm-hmm. guys who can find those 19 and three quarters, cause that... There's some talent to that, John. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, it it makes the it forces the anglers to fish a little differently than what they do in in some of the other because they're after some smaller fish to start out with and then try to get a couple big ones too. So, do you anticipate guys in the future? Do you know? Are you going back to the weigh-in? Are these uh, apps here to stay? What's what's the vibe you guys are getting on that? So, I think at our last meeting we discussed that we're undecided on on that as at the point. So. Part of this started off with the DNR asking us to to go with the app, and it's uncertain going forward whether the DNR was going to ask us to continue that or we'll go back to, I think uh, everybody likes the, the live weigh-in, but um, it's better for the resource to uh, put the fish back immediately. So. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, the Backwoods uh, Bash tournament they had this past weekend, they, at the last second, decided they better go with it because it was 90-some degrees. Thankfully, guys, it doesn't sound like it's going to be 90-some degrees right. this weekend. Right. <clears throat> which would be great for people coming out to watch and obviously great for anglers and the health of the fish, too. It always seems to, no matter how much you worry about the weather beforehand, our tournament has generally been pretty good. We had some wind and some waves two years ago. Uh, but uh, we haven't really faced uh, any severe weather issues or anything. Uh, so we're we're pretty happy and knocking on wood about that. Not saying it has anything to do with the Knights of Columbus being involved, but um, uh, <laughs> we will we will take what we can get. And uh, earlier this week, well, actually earlier today, as I'm recording this, I had spoken with Bob Fitzgerald from Kraus Anderson, kind of reminiscing on the 20 years of the tournament. It's been your tournament the last five years. Uh, but, boy, this thing really is an important part of summer in Bemidji. It's become uh, something that I think would be a huge disappointment if it went away. Yes, when you think about a 20-year history for any community event, um, even a thing, other things that you see going on in Bemidji, that is actually pretty rare. Um, I think uh, Dragon Boats are at 15 years now and a few other events, not quite at that 20-year level. And uh, this is the largest one that actually celebrates the fishing resources on Bemidji, um, which is pretty important that we do keep celebrating that. That's why people started coming here to begin with, and that's why people still have great memories of Bemidji, is going out on that dock at the resort and catching some perch or whatever fish they can, sunfish, and um, learning how to fish from there. So let's keep that tradition alive, give some people... Uh, who may be just starting out fishing or want to learn a little bit more, give them some inspiration about what can be done from a fisheries perspective on Bemidji. And again, John, there's so many residual things that this tournament brings, lots of people into the area. 
uh, hotels get a boost, food uh, places get a boost, shopping gets a boost, our spotlight gets a boost, uh, you know, in the greater and northwest areas, people are fishing on this lake. And then there are the direct beneficiaries, of which uh, the Knights of Columbus has been working with for a number of years. There are some great organizations that are going to get some actual funding uh, based on this tournament. Right. Over the last 20 years, um, we have given out $864,000 to 10 nonprofit uh, groups. Um, the Minnesota DNR, Bemidji Youth Baseball, um, Wounded Warriors, All Pro Dads, uh, Special Olympics, Take a Kid Fishing, Let's Go Fishing, Fishing Has No Boundaries, the Lumberjacks Fishing Team, the Boy Scouts, and, of course, the Knights of Columbus. John Markham is the tournament chair of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. Joe Shapesky is a tournament committee member. we got a lot more to cover with those guys later on, but we're going to shift gears next and talk panfish. We are now well underway with the new regulations on about 100 lakes statewide due to the efforts of the Panfish Initiative. Dave Weitzel of the Minnesota DNR was very instrumental in that, and we will talk details of that and panfishing in Paul Bunyan Country next. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Dave Weitzel from the Grand Rapids Area Fishery Office is joining me today. And once again, he's the supervisor there. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Panfish Initiative that has uh, now gone into, uh, into use uh, as of March 1st. Right, Dave? That's correct. This goes back a few years, and you were the co-chair of the DNR Panfish Technical Committee. What started this, and, and what was the goal? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, if we kind of look back a, a number of years, in uh, 2015, we got our Panfish Citizens Advisory Work Group up and running. And that's a group uh, of Minnesota anglers that represent different interests from around the state. So we had uh, some fishing guides. We had some resort owners. Uh, we had some lakeshore owners, um, just everyday anglers. We really wanted to get a, a good slice of what the angling public looks like. And we asked them, in the grand scheme of things, what's your number one concern with panfish in the state of Minnesota? And they decided that their number one concern is, is uh, at least in their minds, they felt there weren't as many opportunities to catch large bluegill as there had been uh, a couple of decades ago. And they kind of asked us as a department to look into ways that we could refocus management, uh, specifically of sunfish, to try to provide more of those quality fishing opportunities. Uh, and that led us down the road to, to uh, kind of review the issues that affect sunfish and come up with a plan to address some of those issues. So what did you find was the biggest reason uh, we, we didn't have decent-sized sunfish in a lot of lakes? Yeah, it, it turns out that angler harvest is a real key to bluegill population dynamics, um, and, and it has a lot to do with their biological response to harvest. It turns out that bluegill are a very prolific fish. That, that's why they're so common here in Minnesota. They're able to spawn well in, in um, almost any kind of a lake, uh, and they spawn well almost every year. So reproduction is never really an issue. In fact, when we've uh, surveyed anglers through mail-in surveys or creel studies, they often tell us they're happy with the number of sunfish they catch, uh, but they're less happy with the size. Well, as it turns out, it has to do with the selective removal of the largest bluegills. Uh, 
Uh, so if you can think of a lake as producing a certain uh, number of fish or, or, more importantly, a certain pounds of fish on an annual basis, uh, when we remove those largest fish, that biomass uh, tends to be replaced by younger fish that are produced the following year. Uh, the problem is now you've got an increased number of younger fish that are competing with each other, and that affects their growth rate. Uh, so, for example, if I was to go and remove a one-pound sunfish, the following year, that weight would be replaced by 10 sunfish that weigh a tenth of a pound each. You do that for a long enough period of time, and you start changing the dynamics within the lake. The other thing that these sunfish do is all of a sudden they realize that, hey, I'm in an environment where I might not live very long, uh, and they want to reproduce while they can. So they'll actually start spawning at a smaller size and a younger age. We call that a, a maturation shift. Uh, and that also has a huge impact on growth because fish grow fastest prior to spawning the first time. Once they begin to spawn, they have to devote energy to create eggs and sperm and also the vigors of spawning. So their growth rate will really slow down. Uh, and when we looked at the biology, that's what we, were, what we were seeing. A lot of these sunfish populations had fish that were maturing uh, at a younger age. Um, and their growth rate was uh, relatively slow. So they were starting to lose the ability to grow a large sunfish. So then, what do you do next? Well, because the issue seems to be uh, a harvest issue, uh, the logical approach is to try to come up with methods to reduce harvest. And we looked at it on several different scales. We, we talked about changing the statewide limit. Uh, it had been 30 prior to 2003. Uh, at that point, it was changed to 20. Um, but since that time, we really haven't seen a recovery in these large sunfish. So it seems like a, a 20 fish limit is still a bit too high for quality size management. Um, but ultimately, we decided that, hey, there's a heck of a lot of lakes out there that don't have the right ingredients to grow a large bluegill anyway. And it doesn't hurt to take large numbers of fish from those lakes. Uh, we also did a mail-in survey. Uh, we partnered with the University of Minnesota and asked anglers what they thought. Um, and the results were were uh, pretty interesting. Number one, they did feel that uh, that they desired more focus on quality sunfish management. They wanted more opportunities to catch those nine and ten inch bluegill. Uh, and they also felt that the twenty fish limit was about right in most places. Uh, but they thought that on lakes that had the the right biological ingredients, it would be appropriate to to look at reduced bag limits. So ultimately, that's the approach that we uh, decided to take. We had our biologists review their survey data, and we identified somewhere around 150 lakes across the state that seemed to have the right habitat, uh, the right stuff to grow large bluegill. And then we began working with the public to see which of those lakes would be socially appropriate to try a reduced bag limit. Um, ultimately, we ended up proposing 97 lakes. Uh, we collected input over the course of last summer, ended up hearing from about 3,700 different, 3, different anglers, um, and 85% of those folks supported a reduced bag limit on, on the majority of these lakes. So this spring we were able to implement reduced bag limits, uh, either five fish or ten fish bags on 94 different waters. Um, so that gives us a really good start to kind of refocus uh, and prov provide at least uh, – some opportunities for these larger bluegill. One of the things I've I've noticed probably in the last ten to fifteen years is there's there seems to have been, and I've always said this. Uh, I, I really think we have smart 
anglers here. We have passionate anglers. We have people who want to make sure it's around for the next, you know, 50 to 100 years at the very least, and they're smart. They know what's going on. And, and there just seems to be not a lot of pushback when we make prop, not, not only with panfish, but other other types of proposals. By and large, the the majority of the anglers seem to get that that's what we have to do. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be that way. And, um, you know, we certainly uh, appreciate the effort that the media has put into getting the story out there. Um, you know, part of our initiative was to put together a good outreach plan. Uh, so we've been working with folks in, in radio like yourself. We've been working with some of the outdoor publications, um, you know, even some of the web-based stuff, just to try to educate the public. Because our goal really isn't to take away people's right to harvest fish. Um, what we want to do is be sure that there's opportunities for every interest that's out there. Um, so some folks really value catching large fish. We want to have some of those opportunities. Other folks want to be able to harvest a lot of fish. Well, we want to maintain some of those opportunities too. Um, but that really only works if we're having honest conversations with our angling public and, and getting honest feedback from them. And that's where I think we got it right with this initiative, um, especially with our outreach efforts. Well, we certainly in, in our area had a few examples of uh, going with a five fish limit uh, to, to build on. Uh, Paimouche Lake in, in the Bemidji area, Black Duck Lake, were both uh, fisheries that come off the top of my head that I know had the five fish limit and, and saw real good success in, in growing much bigger panfish. And, and so that was a nice, uh, that's a nice starting point right there. It, it was, and we were able to take a look at uh, kind of our track record. There were about 20 lakes in the state that have had a, a five or a ten fish bag limit on them for uh, at least ten years. Uh, so we were able to take a look at these lakes, and what we found is that the ten fish limit does a really good job of maintaining size quality. So if you've got a lake that uh, that already had nice bluegill in it, a ten fish limit might be sufficient to maintain that quality. Uh, with the five fish limit, we actually saw an improvement. Um, on average, our fish were about three quarters of an inch bigger, and on average, they were a, a year older. So that tells us that harvest had been reduced, people were releasing fish, and those released fish were surviving. So we, uh, we had just implemented this on, the, on those various lakes around the state uh, as of March 1st. Um, usually when it comes to a project like this, patience is not only a virtue, it's a necessity. Um, so what what is the outlook? What do we? How long do we have to wait before we can see whether this is actually doing what we're hoping it'll do? We usually use a, a 10-year period as our standard for evaluation. Um, so we, we would definitely expect to, to see some results in about a decade. Uh, but just based on what I've seen around Grand Rapids, it, it's not uncommon to start to see improvements uh, about five years into uh, the regulation period. Um, so we're seeing that on, like, the split hands um, just south of Grand Rapids where uh, we're, for the last time we surveyed it, the regulation had been in place for a, about a five-year period, and we were actually starting to sample some fish that were nearing 11 inches. Uh, so that, you know, that's a true trophy bluegill uh, here in northern Minnesota. Very encouraging stuff when you see fish like that. So from your perspective, for those who are, of us who not only are going to follow the law as we should, um, but want to make sure we we can do anything we can to, to help it maybe even go a little bit faster or, or get a little bit better down the road. What size bluegills should go back in the water? What size should we keep? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, if, if you're really interested in producing those nine and 10 inch bluegills, uh, it takes a long time to grow a fish that size. They, they only grow a, at a rate of about an inch a year in Minnesota. Uh, so they're not easily replaced when you harvest them. Uh, so personally, I try to focus my harvest on fish that are between seven and a half and eight and a half inches, uh, and then let those nine plus fish go. Um, but it, it can depend on the fishery. Uh, you know, in a really healthy fishery, it might be okay to harvest a nine-inch fish or two. Um, but on some of these lakes where those seem to be a, a real rare individual, um, boy, if that's a nine-year-old fish and you can release it, they can live to be teenagers. That fish might stay in the system for, for quite a few more years. Um, and it, it does uh, quite a bit of good being out there. Number one, you might have an opportunity to catch that fish again in a year or two when it's even bigger. Um, but just the fact that that fish is out there, that encourages those smaller bluegill to uh, delay their maturation. Uh, if they want to be competitive for a good spawning spot, spot they're going to have to uh, grow up a little bit mm-hmm. to compete with that big 9-inch male that's out there. So, Dave, how did you get involved in this? Was it just uh, you're, you were assigned that? Or was it something that uh, you kind of had a passion for? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, it was largely because I'm very passionate. I love pan fishing, uh, particularly bluegill. Uh, they're one of my favorite species to, to go after. Um, so when the opportunity came up to join the Panfish Technical Committee, uh, I, I've certainly volunteered for it and was lucky enough that they happened to need somebody to act as a management co-chair and um, was assigned to that position. Is there thought uh, of this committee moving forward and looking at other panfish species, whether it be perch or crappie? Yes, there is. Yep. So, you know, we we wanted to, to focus on bluegill. There, there seemed to be an immediate need there. And, and the nice thing about bluegill is their biology was understood well enough that we thought that we could develop some tools that would be uh, pretty easy to apply. I think we're going to start to shift our our focus more to crappie because we're hearing from a lot of anglers that, that are certainly concerned with crappie size structure. Um, but I think we need to do a little bit more research into crappies. They, they haven't been studied quite to the degree that bluegill have been, and they're biologically a little bit different. Um, like I said, bluegill tend to spawn well every year. Our crappies tend to be much more cyclical. They'll, they'll produce a good year class maybe once every three to five years. Uh, so we tend to not see the type of stunting that you can get in a bluegill population, um, but it seems like more when we get a good year class, word gets out about it, and those fish are getting cropped off in a short period of time, and then you've got to wait another three to five years before that next strong year class gets uh, produced. So we're we're into it now. It started March 1st, as we noted. So how do we find out what the situation is and what lakes we need to be aware of? Yep, there's several places you can go to. Uh, if you go to the DNR's website, we've created a sunfish page uh, that will have uh, of the list of lakes, along with a lot of other good information about sunfish that folks might find interesting. Um, also, uh, when you buy your fishing license, all of the lakes are updated in our fishing synopsis book, um, so check out that regulation book. Uh, all of the lakes will have signage at the public access. Um, so those signs are, are up already, so folks can always just drive to the boat ramp and, and uh, check that out. Um, our Lake Finder tool off our webpage uh, is updated with special regulations. Uh, and folks can always call their local area fisheries office. We'd be happy to talk to them. Dave, anything else we should know about? 
Uh, nothing off the top of my head. Um, we, you know, we do look forward to continuing our work with the public. We're always looking for feedback. So, you know, certainly if folks have questions or concerns, we want to hear from them. Uh, you know, maybe they really like this initiative or maybe maybe there's some things about it they don't like. We, we want to hear that stuff, too. Uh, and then we also want to discuss other lakes that, uh, you know, might be worth taking a look at moving forward. Dave Weitzel is the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor, also the co-chair of the DNR Panfish Technical Committee, part of the Panfish Initiative that uh, has those bluegill uh, new regs in place throughout the state of Minnesota. Again, uh, do your homework before you go fishing. If you're going to be fishing for bluegill, make sure you're not uh, breaking the law and you're being part of the solution and not the problem. Dave, as always, we love talking to you. Thanks for the information today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. It's working out. They're going to have the 20th anniversary of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. And not only are they going to be able to have the tournament, they were planning on that being virtual, they are going to be able to have people down at the waterfront to watch the award ceremony. Won't be a weigh-in because we're still using the app, but the award ceremony. John Markham, the tournament chair, and Joe Shapesky, former tournament chair, are here to talk about the big event Saturday. There are events like Take a Kid Fishing and Fishing Has No Boundaries that didn't get to happen this year because they just didn't know in time. Mm-hmm. You had decided that you had found a way to do it even if the, all the restrictions were still in place. Fortunately for you guys, at the last second, the restrictions went away by and large and, and we're able to have a kind of a community gathering again. It's exciting for us. You know, we were prepared either way. And just thinking about the possibilities of getting people back down there, I, I think, Kevin, we were talking earlier, when you start going out and getting back together with people again, it's just an amazing energy that you kind of forgot about until you get out there and start seeing people and interacting with folks that you haven't for the last year, year and a half. If this is a way that we can start people back down that path for their summer in Bemidji, I think that's a fantastic thing. There are a couple things that I'm going to miss. Uh, I did look better in a mask. That's a fact. Yes. And you did. And I <laughs> see. Joe's, Joe's an honest man. And I also could pretend I didn't recognize people in a mask that I didn't want to talk to. So those are gone. But uh, by and large, no. It's, it's this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun Saturday, no question. And uh, John. Uh, this is your first year as being the tournament chair. You know, you're kind of a greenhorn learning as you went along. What are your thoughts right now? Um, so we're starting to get excited. Yeah, we're really, um, there's a lot of, a lot of anticipation. And Joe, our tournament director for the last five years, has a family event, so he's leaving me there by myself. So that'll be Ooh. <laughs> a little bit scary for old dad. But yeah, uh, things are good. Yeah, we're we're excited for it and ready. <laughs> One other thing uh, to note, I mean, obviously, uh, from a logistics standpoint, without uh, an actual weigh-in, there's a lot of volunteers that you aren't using in that role this year, and, it, and it's got to make it easier to plan out. It has helped with some of the planning. Um, I would say that's been uh, weighed against coming up with the entire new virtual system that we are using at the same time, and then suddenly in the last two weeks trying to put together the old system back as far as managing people at the waterfront, uh, having boats come in, doing a large-scale award ceremony, all that sort of thing. So um, I'd say our, our energy and our workload has probably been comparable to what we've seen in previous years, even though we won't quite need all the volunteers especially some of our scouting and let's go fishing group at the same times that we have in the past. Okay. 
And let me just say, as one who's going to be on the stage... Thank you. We're learning as we go here to might not be quite as smooth as it always has been, but we'll get it done. We have every faith in you, Kevin, to make it as smooth as ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, smooth as butter, which uh, last Saturday would have melted. So um, we're, we're not supposed to talk about the unsmooth stuff. Just <laughs> that's on the backside. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, it's going to be. So we'll do the same things we always do. We're going to give out all the awards. We're going to give out uh, the Big Fish Award. We're going to give out the um, raffle prize. All of that's going to happen at the waterfront starting around four thirty. That is right. So lots of exciting awards this year. Don't forget our large prize for the champions is twenty thousand dollars this year. This is this is a fantastic prize for these anglers, and it definitely makes us competitive on a larger scale. Uh, we've got, I think I counted, 27 prizes overall. Um, and one of the, the neat things we're doing for our 20th anniversary this year is for all the pairs of rods we are giving away, and we typically do several, we actually had Diamond Custom Rods come up with a 20th anniversary KC Walleye Classic special rod for us to our specs, uh, developed with the help from uh, Dwayne Peterson. And uh, we're excited to be handing those out as a prize as a part of our 20th anniversary tournament. All right. Very cool. Dwayne Peterson knows a little bit about fishing rods. Yes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> as well as he, other anglers involved yeah. in that process. So I, think, uh, I think he owns a couple. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So food again about noon. If you want to come down and wander around, take a look. Uh, C.K. Dudley's and the Knights of Columbus's famous hot dog stand will be there. Uh, and again, raffle ticket sales will be at the waterfront that afternoon. In the meantime, John, where do we get raffle tickets if we want to buy them this week? Um, you can still get them at Lucan's, Ace Hardware. Northwoods Bait and Tackle. Northwoods Bait and Tackle, yes. Okay. <laughs> and it's a, the, the, the grand prize is the Boat Motor Trader Package from Ray Sport Marine, and then there are other prizes involved as well, correct? So, several cash prizes, yes. 19, so 20 total prizes this year. Okay. For the Hey, that makes sense. It's the 20th anniversary. <laughs> All right, guys, anything we're not uh, – oh, John, you wanted to make sure uh, the anglers that are going to be in the tournament know exactly when that rules meeting is, so I'll let so, you – So all anglers, uh, um, we've sent out a mailing to you addressing this, but um, the uh, rules meeting will be at the Eagles, as it customarily has been, um, for a 2 o'clock registration start. The meeting should last about an hour. Come hungry because we got uh, – um, the Eagles is providing us some foods there too. So, okay. also like to just uh, make a shout out to all of our um, all of our sponsors. Um, the sponsors have hung in there this year and um, and have done just a wonderful job of 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 supporting us and creating a, a wonderful event. Okay, and there's a lot of them. We probably can't mention them all here, but uh, certainly we'll we'll mention uh, your title sponsors, Acme Tools, uh, Milwaukee, and Honda as well. And, of course, your major sponsor, Ray Sport Marine, who've provided that boat motor and trailer package year in and year out. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, a couple ones that definitely deserve a tip of the hat. So uh, anything else, guys, before we wrap it up today? I think that's it. If you have any questions or want to learn more, our website is kcwalleyclassic.com. Our Facebook page is Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. Uh, check it out. Follow our Facebook page so you get those notifications when our live feeds start at just before 7 o'clock, before our launch uh, at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Kev, you'll be helping us with some updates. Mm -hmm. And then for the award ceremony at 4.30. John Markham, tournament chair. Joe Shapesky, committee member, former tournament chair. Thanks, guys, for being in today. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you.
Coming up in tomorrow's show, we reminisce on the history of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. It started out as the Cross Anderson Walleye Classic for the first 15 years, and we'll hear from Bob Fitzgerald, who was very instrumental in making this whole thing happen. Don't forget, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter to find out what's happening on the show, and of course, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen whenever it works for you. You can do that on Podcast One or on the Pod MN app, which also gives you access to hundreds of other Minnesota-based podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And again, oftentimes, there's a lot of bonus content on the podcast that you don't get on the radio side. That's it for today. I am Kev Jackson. Thank you so much for being here. Now we're going fishing. <laughs> <laughs>